just from an ROI perspective, if you're in a multi-cloud environment, typically you're going to have a eight to 9% improved ROI. When you look at forecasting in terms of the demand, the cloud services that you're going to consume in the multi-cloud environment, we're showing a eight to 12% increase in accuracy. And that contributes directly to cost. If you are better at forecasting what your demand is going to be, you're gonna be able to consume cloud services in a way that's more in line with your actual demand. Welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on the journey to world-class performance. Hi, my name is Mike Spires. I lead the technology transformation practice at the Hackett Group, and today I'll be your MC for the What is Multi-Cloud podcast. With me today is Mike Fuller, our cloud lead in our technology transformation practice. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. And Jay Ruffin, our cloud partnership lead in the technology transformation practice. Hi, Jay. Hey, Mike. So today we'll be discussing multi-cloud and some of its uses, its advantages, and the lessons learned from implementing multi-cloud environments. So starting off, what is multi-cloud, Mike, and why is there confusion over what it is versus hybrid cloud? It's a good question, Mike, because uh, a lot of our clients and the people we speak with that are managing IT environments often conflate hybrid cloud and multi-cloud. They think they're synonymous when, in fact, they're different. So just definitionally, hybrid cloud means that uh, a company is using both its on-premise data centers, and those data centers can be standalone applications on dedicated infrastructure or private clouds, as well as using cloud providers. The hybrid cloud is just you're using both a cloud provider as well as your own data centers, versus multi-cloud means that you are using multiple cloud providers. That can mean you're using AWS. It could mean you're also using Azure, GCP, or OCI. Uh, it just simply means that you're using uh, multiple cloud providers. And so I think just kind of saying that up front is, is important because when we're talking about multi-cloud, again, we're talking about people that are using uh, multiple cloud providers. Mike, does that also include if you have cloud providers in addition to, say, SaaS providers uh, such as Salesforce or Oracle Cloud, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, pretty much... Every company out there, you know, of course, there's going to be uh, an exception. So using words like never or every isn't necessarily uh, the best words to use. But multi-cloud means you're using SaaS providers, you're using IaaS providers, PaaS providers, and all the other as-a-service providers. And so that's why, again, you know, most clients out there, most customers, they are, whether they're using CRM or HR systems, uh, ERP systems, as well as kind of traditional infrastructure as a service, they're already in multi-cloud environments. Thanks, Mike. What advantages or benefits do companies get when they employ multi-cloud strategies? Well, there's a, a couple of different things. And a lot of times it's not necessarily an advantage that they're looking for. Very well could be, you know, in terms of trying to put uh, applications or workloads as close to their customers as possible. In some cases, that means that you're limited in terms of the the cloud provider that you want to select, right? If you want to, if you're thinking about high transaction, you want two, three, four millisecond response times, then being as close to your your customers 
is is really important, which can, again, drive the use of multiple cloud providers. The other advantage is simply, if you think about GDPR and location, data has to reside in the country of origin. And so, again, if you're a global company, using multiple cloud providers enables you to simply be in compliance. And then there's a host of other reasons as well. If we think about traditional pricing, being able to get better pricing if you are using uh, multiple clouds. And then, you know, I think Jay is going to talk about this a little bit later, but if you think about your workloads, some types of workloads work better in some type uh, in, in different types of cloud products. And so there's a host of reasons that drive better results when you think about uh, companies using a, a multi-cloud strategy. One thing I'd add to that, especially when you think about latency, there's, there's a lot of uh, focus on customer centricity. So leveraging some type of multi-cloud environment where you can leverage the cloud environment that's closest to the customer helps impact things like latency and everything counts these days in terms of impacting customer perception. So that's another big one is just the impacts on latency and customer customer preference. What are some of the other ways besides latency that multi-cloud impacts performance? Well, when you think about agility, right? Again, going back to my comment around workloads, wanting to be in environments that are built around those products capabilities. And if you if you think about certain types of workloads that really, especially like on the mobile or consumer side of things, there are if you build in a way that is cloud native for again a, a certain cloud provider, that is going to enable you to be more agile in terms of going to market more quickly with features, being able to respond more quickly when you use uh, analytics to see what your your customers are after. So, you know, agility, some of just the traditional benefits of cloud, you know, agility, scalability, reliability, as well as simply looking at location, the ability to have your application be almost real time for the segment that you're trying to address. I think the, the one thing that's really important is from a performance perspective, if you're looking to go after like four or five nines, right? Go on multi-cloud is kind of the, the way to go because some of the stuff that we've seen research-wise shows that unplanned outages and unplanned downtime, significant, almost like a 20, 30% improvement over going single cloud if you move multi-cloud. And it's, it's kind of like more is better, right? So. The more you can put in, the more you benefit you get in terms of uh, not having to worry about unplanned outages or, or unplanned downtime. Jay, just kind of piggybacking on that, you know, we've done a lot of research around multi-cloud versus single cloud uh, results, right? So packet, as we all here is a part of discussion, though, we have a rich history in benchmarking and intellectual property. And so we've done a lot of studies around cloud performance, actual cloud performance, you know, pre and post cloud migration, as well as best practices around uh, cloud management. Part of that research based upon, again, real cloud migrations looks at things like ROI. So just from an ROI perspective, if you're in a multi-cloud environment, based upon thousands of workloads that we've actually looked at, typically you're going to have a 8 to 9% proved ROI based upon using a multi-cloud environment. The other aspect is that you're more, when you look at forecasting, 
right? In terms of like the demand that you're going to consume, cloud services that you're going to consume. And the multi-cloud environment, we're, we're showing a 8 to 12% increase in accuracy. And that contributes directly to cost, right? Because if you are better at forecasting what your demand is going to be, you're going to be able to consume cloud services in a, in a way that's more in line with your actual demand. So we have a number of, uh, of metrics that show multi-cloud results are better than when companies are using, utilizing a single cloud. Another one, Mike, that I think we've seen and talked about is kind of uh, time to deliver features. The one thing that you know, certain industries, especially like banking, right, where they're under a lot of pressure from competition, the ability to deliver fast, updated, innovative features, it's, you know, that's a game changer. So going and leveraging multi-cloud environments where you can really exploit some of that functionality is another another key characteristic. So, Mike, uh, one of the things our cloud research found is that uh, cloud is actually safer from a security perspective than hosted on-prem environments. How about multi-cloud? Does uh, it show any benefits for security? Yes. So the short answer is is yes. And so when we look at things like number of security incidents or mean time to detect, which is probably the most critical KPI associated with security in multi-cloud environments, it's you know significantly better shows significantly better results. So in mean time to detect, there's a uh, 66% better mean time to detect in terms of like actual minutes and hours than uh, in a single cloud environment. And so part of the reason is that you're utilizing a multiple clouds that are fit for purpose for your workloads, which has security, again, that's layered in that is fit for a particular workload. Same thing goes for uh, security incidents, right? It's it's almost a 30% difference in terms of fewer security incidents, right? And so, when we're talking about the data that we have, where we've actually measured thousands and thousands of workloads that have migrated over the past five years, those are meaningful, right? It's uh, statistically significant, as my data scientist friends like to say. Jay, we've been talking a lot about workloads. Can you describe workloads and what workloads work best in what cloud environment? Sure, Mike. I think you know it's interesting from a workload perspective because really the, the more critical the workload or the type of kind of application and data, the more it's the more it's changing, the more you can leverage a multi-cloud environment. And that's you do that to provide resiliency, degree of innovation, heightened security like we we're talking about. There's certain uh, workloads that are better suited based on the cloud provider. So some are better for web apps. Some are better for cloud providers have better kind of e-commerce apps and environments. Some have better internal apps. So I think the uh, there are a lot of things that need to be considered when determining which workload should run where. Everything from you know how fastly you're innovating to your staff levels in terms of uh, expertise with different clouds. And I mean, the other thing is every cloud environment and from an application perspective and service provider perspective is different. What your security levels are in terms of uh, regulations, needs, what your data sovereignty is, where the data centers are in terms of proximity to folks going to be using some of the apps data. Those things all need to be taken into consideration when determining workloads, which ones should go where based on what services are provided by which cloud service provider. 
So there are a lot of things to consider when thinking about that. Yeah, I would just add, like when I think about, again, one of the drivers behind multi-cloud, mobility apps, again, they need to be responsive and they need to be, we've talked a lot about performance, but putting those applications, again, in, in different locations or geographies so they can be responsive to consumers, as well as having the ability for developers you know, to quickly roll out. We see a lot of that you know, around mobility apps being hosted, a number of, of, of different cloud providers just for the ability to scale as well as to have that performance because consumers are fickle, right? What's hot today might not be hot tomorrow. And so those developers or product owners really need to have the ability to utilize, I keep saying it fit for purpose. I think it's like three strikes and you're out, but so I should probably stop saying that. But it is, it really is putting the workload in you know, that fit for purpose environment. And that might be different cloud providers across different geographies. So as we think about the different use cases for cloud, are there industries that are adapting to those better and more quickly? And are there any industries that are kind of lagging that uh, might have a, an opportunity to advance their skills? That's an interesting question, especially today. You know, if you look at telcos and software companies, they probably have the most experience as it relates to leveraging and having success from a multi-cloud perspective versus some of the companies or industries that are kind of newer to digital transformation, like, you know, in the public sector, they've probably realized the least amount of benefit and probably leveraged the least from a, a multi-cloud perspective. Interestingly enough, the other thing that's, that I think we're finding is besides telcos, you know, on the financial services side, they're investing like a ton of money in uh, multi-cloud and digital transformation in general. But like we were talking about poor on the finance side, they just have the, the problem of, hopefully I don't offend anybody with from a millennial perspective, but the millennials just don't have the loyalty that they did. So they have competition coming from everywhere. So they need to you know, invest all they can to stay innovative, to stay accessible, and to look sexy in a way to compete with the fintechs and the retail competition. So uh, lots, lots of investment in telco on the telco side, lots of investment on the financial services side. Not so much in some areas like public sector, lack of skills and lack of talent there, as well as you know on the consumer goods side, probably a lack of skills is impacting them to a large degree. But that's some of the things I think we're seeing. Yeah, and I, I would just say, one of the things that you said, Jay, I think really resonates. It's where are companies on their digital transformation journeys? Right? Because companies that have been on those journeys for five, six, seven, eight plus years started using the cloud. Right, the, the cloud, as we've said, is really that engine that enables you to be agile and have better performance and greater scalability. And so it's a journey. Some of our research has shown it takes three to four years, best case scenario, for companies really to understand how to actually manage and utilize the cloud in the way that achieves the most benefit. If companies are relatively newer to their digital transformation, and I'm not talking about just like utilizing a SaaS product here and a SaaS product there, but being purposeful and recognizing that the customer is king and having that customer centricity around them, that where the, it's really driving product roadmaps. Those kind of companies that are less mature or have had less time on those journeys just aren't going to 
be able to realize the the benefits of multi-cloud, right? Because they're, again, they're dipping their toe in. And when you do that, you don't go big, you know, you're like, okay, let's try this cloud provider or let's look at these specific workloads versus the other companies that have been, been doing it for years and years. And we've seen a lot of companies, you mentioned financial services that have been doing this for many years and are almost completely out of their data centers. Yeah, I think in a lot, of, a lot of cases, cloud is kind of a foundation for digital transformation in a way, right? If, if you have that cloud underbelly, both in terms of technology and resource, you're kind of, uh, you're doing a lot better than, than the competition. I like what you said there about underbelly. It made me think of bacon. And bacon's delicious, so, <laughs> right? If you're, if you're focusing on delighting your customer with bacon or with the cloud, you know, you're going to have better outcomes because bacon makes everything better. Given the fact that there is a, a wide range of uh, maturity and, and experience in multi-cloud, what lessons learned have we kind of seen in, in the market as companies start or are stalled on this journey to drive the outcomes that they're looking for? That's a good question. And I'll talk about four that I think I've seen that are important. Mike might have uh, some additional ones, but these are kind of the four that I can think of when you know I think about What's critical to ensure you're going to not fall off the yellow book road as you go down this multi-cloud uh, journey? I think the first one is, is governance. There's so much involved, especially when you move into a multi-cloud environment in terms of complexity and uh, spend, which I'll talk about in a minute. But having the ability to govern what's going in, how it's going to be managed, and kind of facilitate the orchestration of making sure applications and the associated portfolios are kind of migrated in the right way and the crowd understands the value that's being delivered. That's one thing that definitely needs to be in place. If you don't, you'll definitely have what we've called cloud sprawl. Folks putting stuff in willy-nilly, the complexity will start to eat you alive. You know, another thing uh, in terms of lessons learned or kind of a, a practice to ensure you have is is really getting a handle on, on your resources and staffing. The cloud is, especially multi-cloud, provides some definite challenges for a lot of companies. And if you don't have the right talent to address those, you're going to be uh, kind of on a sinking ship fast. Solution architectures in particular, given the complexity, having the folks who understand the complexity of the architecture, the solutions, the cloud providers and what they actually can implement to kind of take advantage of the services to address some of the things that the business needs. If you don't have those resources that can understand that, you're at a definite disadvantage, could halt or, like I said, sink the ship in, in some cases. The other two things I'll mention, which kind of ties to governance, is the whole financial transparency side of things. Having the ability to understand what you're spending, uh, what's being spun up, what stuff is, is being migrated, what's being decommissioned, just having a total understanding of how much you're spending in the cloud, again, gives you the advantage of managing at a more proficient level and actually provides more trust, I think, uh, to the business because the business knows that you have a handle on what they're spending and kind of paired with your understanding of value, what value is being delivered. The last thing I'll say is vendor management. When we talk about multi-cloud, like Mike was saying in the beginning, you're dealing with multiple providers. So having the ability and the capability of managing those uh, vendors proficiently, understanding performance, what they're providing, what services they have, if you have that and it's kind of humming, 
it kind of pairs well with the whole governance side, which pairs well with the financial transparency, which would make a really efficient kind of operating environment. So, I mean, those are some things that we found if you have those things in place, you'll really be able to adopt and kind of expedite almost the multi-cloud strategy that you would have. I would add, because I mean, Jay, you definitely hit the nail on the head when it comes to how you manage the cloud on an ongoing basis. And that's definitely, you know, especially around architecture, around governance and financial management. Those are those are all key items. But I think one of the other challenges that companies are facing is just the migration itself, right? I mean, yes, the cloud is, has been around since 2006, and you know lots of companies are in the cloud but there are lots of data centers that are company owned company leased with workloads still running on them and a lot of those workloads you know are probably better suited to the cloud but when you think about the migration methodologies probably the most straightforward way to do it is to lift and shift when we think about re-architecting or refactoring we're actually trying to make a an application either cloud native or completely rebuild you know, the application from the ground up in the architecture sense, your outcomes are significantly better when you think about uh, agility, when you think about the ability to uh, release new features, when you think about security itself. Putting that work in up front enables you to realize the value associated with the cloud. And then when you're doing that, that work up front, you're also able to assess what's the right landing spot what that typically leads to is a multi-cloud strategy. And so even though that effort up front involves significant slug of work, that value realization time is, is almost cut in half when you consider just doing the lift and shift. And I'm not saying that lift and shift isn't appropriate in some cases. There are some workloads, hey, you're going to retire it in three years. Why are you going to spend three to six months going through a refactoring exercise. Lift and shift is perfectly appropriate. But for your strategic products, your strategic workloads that you know are going to be around for a while, take some time to consider what that methodology for migrating to the cloud is going to look like because uh, we see significantly better outcomes across the board. One way to, to burn the bacon is using the keeping with the bacon analogy is to underestimate the amount of change. I think that... Uh, kind of this new normal we're in with regards to kind of cloud technology in general, multi-cloud specifically. But if you underestimate that things are going to continuously change, you're at a disadvantage. Well, Jay, Mike, thank you for your insights on multi-cloud. Here's our research is pretty conclusive that there's significant advantages to multi-cloud. If people are interested in speaking with any of us, please reach out to us. And we appreciate the time that you've invested in this podcast and we look forward to talking at some point in the future. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for listening. You can find the audio, helpful resources, and a transcript of each episode at podcast.thehackagroup.com. If you liked this episode, please share it. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. We'd welcome your feedback by tapping the rating on this or any episode, or send us an email at podcast at the Hackett Group is a global leader in defining and enabling world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your improvement journey at www.thehackettgroup.com.